Well, summer is upon us. This next week, we'll take all of Jesus in us with over 100 degree heat every day. But we are here to serve you and help you. You may have noticed as you drove in today, there is a building out on the front parking lot. That will be the future called Frosty's Snow Cone Shack. It will open up. Yeah, yeah, we got a bunch of our uh, youth that are involved in that and our college ministry that are helping us do that as an outreach ministry to our community. It hopes to open up by hopefully the end of this week. You'll be praying for that, and we will email you. As soon as that's open, you need to come to Frosty's and check it out. It's going to be a great deal. Eventually, we will move it at the end of summer. We're going to move it over by the annex. We're creating that to be a big outdoor gathering space where we can connect with our community, serving them and letting them know about the Jesus who changes lives. So be thinking about that. We'll tell you more as it gets here. Also, men of the church want to call you out this summer to come and be a part of our next Men's Momentum event. Our very own Mike Bateman will be speaking at that. He'll be addressing how we can impact addiction here in our community and what's going on at Jeremiah House. We'll have barbecue brisket, we'll have a worship time, and we'll also be talking about our Hope Pregnancy Center and how we can engage in that as men. So that'll be on July 28th. You can register online, you can uh, check a box there on the communication card, and I hope we'll pack this place out to kick off uh, men's momentum. And then finally, uh, one last public announcement is a new strategy change for Vacation Bible School. For generations, uh, one of the best outreach ministries of any church has been Vacation Bible School during the summertime. Well, we as a staff have been monitoring kind of what God's doing in that ministry through these past few decades, or actually uh, five to ten years. And what we've come to understand is that mainly church kids were coming to the church building and doing BBS. That the old days of the community and engaging with our neighborhood, uh, the community kids weren't showing up. And so what we're doing this year is a little bit of a twist on BBS. We're taking Vacation Bible School to our neighborhoods. We are looking for host homes. It's kind of like Disciple Now is for youth. But we're looking for people in this church, especially this service probably, who have children and you live in a neighborhood of children. If you would be willing to be a host home, it's a Friday night and a Saturday afternoon. Uh, Laureland Sheffield, our children's ministry, is training up all the volunteers who will pair up with you and provide the teaching and the curriculum and all the different things that will happen. But we need host homes. Uh, we'd love to see host homes within a five-mile radius of this church all over that we could take BBS to where they live. So if that's you, or if you want to know more about that, put that on a communication card or email Laureland here at the church and help us do something we've never done before. Well, let's jump into today's sermon. We are experiencing a holiday weekend, and if we're not careful, it just becomes a day off at work and summertime and a holiday, and we don't remember why we celebrate. The roots of our freedom celebrate, are celebrated this weekend trace all the way back 246 years to a time when our founding fathers came together. They looked around at the governments of their day and studied history of the government's past and decided what not to do, to create a unique experiment which would become the United States of America, and they would turn to Scripture to lay the foundations of the principles that made this nation so unique and so different from all other nations. And so when we come this time, it's easy to think about our founding fathers. Frankly, in this day and age, uh, there's a lot of criticism that's going towards our founding fathers. There's a lot of things in social media and within cultural media that is attacking our roots, our founding fathers. They definitely weren't perfect people. There is no such thing as a perfect nation. 
but they did build principles from God's perfect word. And so I'm thankful for our founding fathers, but know this about our founding fathers. Uh, there was a book that was written uh, recently by a guy named David Holmes of the College of William and Mary who studied the faith of our founding fathers. And those men that were coming together to lead us to become an independent nation, a nation of the land of the free and the brave, built around a common theme of God's word. Now that doesn't mean all of them were believers. As a matter of fact, he breaks them down into three categories. He says the smallest group of our founding fathers uh, had kind of left their Judeo-Christian faith and had embraced the enlightenment of that day and a theology called deism. They were willing to at least acknowledge there was a God, a supreme being, and that there was the Bible that had supreme principles, and that's as far as they took it, an intellectual acknowledgement of God. They weren't necessarily heart believers, but they were reverent towards the supreme being, deistic enlightenment. There was a second group, the founders, who remained practicing Christians. They were supernaturalist in their worldview. They had a belief in the divinity of Jesus Christ and an adherence to the teachings of God's word. These were founders like Patrick Henry, John Jay, Samuel Adams, and others. The largest group consisted of those who had a Judeo-Christian upbringing, who believed in the Christian tradition, but also married into it a deistic theology. This would be people like George Washington, John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, James Monroe. And when we look at our founding fathers, we find this hodgepodge of belief. Some who believed only in their head, others who had a heart knowledge, but they all acknowledged God and the foundations of our nation. We wake up today and there are those who also have a head knowledge and believe there is a God. We have many today who believe there is no God. A totally different culture in which we live. And as we think about our freedoms, as we look back on our history, we automatically think about our founding fathers. And today what I want us to do is I want us to switch gears and develop our focus on our founding father. I'm not talking about George Washington, the father of our nation. I'm talking about the Lord God Almighty. I want to make sure that we don't fall into the category of many of our founding fathers who had a knowledge of God but didn't have a relationship with God. I want you to do a little experiment with me uh, today, if you will, uh, the difference between heart knowledge and uh, head knowledge. And I want you to make a category. You can do this on your bulletin. You can do it on your phone. You can do it in your head. And I want you to list for me all the things. When people, are na not you, but our nation, people you know, if you were to ask them, describe for me God, how you picture God, what words start to come from people's mouths? How do they picture God? Think about that for a moment. Write down the things you see on social media, the things that you're hearing our culture say about God. The accusations that are thrown at him, the descriptors that are posted publicly for all to see how people picture God. Here's my list. This is what I hear quite often. God is some old, grumpy, I mean, obviously, he's been doing this a long time. And he's dealing with people like you and me. Wouldn't you be grumpy if you did that from generation to generation? Come on. And people see him as this old, grumpy deity, some abstract presence who's extremely judgmental, who is extremely harsh and cruel. 
who is seen as a taskmaster, a God who wants to put me in a box, a God who wants to confine me, an old fuddy-duddy. Have you heard this? Have you bought into that from time to time and see God as a deity that's a million miles away? Now let me have you do a second category. Draw a line and you can create a second category. And now what I want you to do is I want you to describe Jesus. Not as you would describe him, but how does our world, when they just mention the word Jesus, what do they think of when they hear that name, Jesus? Well, here's my list. I think most would say, I think Jesus was a loving man. I think he was compassionate. I think he was one who understood where people were coming from, what they were dealing with, and what was going on in their life. And he stepped into that. He was compassionate and understanding. He showed great care for people. He was a caring person. And then he was a shepherd who laid down his life for others, who put other people first. Look at those two columns and notice the distinct difference in the two views. I think that's pretty crazy when you stop to realize, yes, we know God is the Almighty. And we know Scripture teaches that He is omnipotent. He is the creator of the universe. He is the sovereign one. He is the righteous judge. He is all of that, but He is more than that. And if all you see is that list on the left hand side, if all you see Him as righteous judge, and all you see Him as a sovereign, omnipotent God, you're missing God. That's a part of who He is. He is all those things. But Louis Giglio said this, he said, how do you relate to a sovereign almighty God? How do you even begin to relate to one who is holy when you're not? How do you deal with the sovereignty of God and all of those things? He said, you've got to look to Jesus. For Jesus taught us how to relate to the sovereignty of God, the omnipotence of God, and who he is, and we're going to see that in John chapter 14. Go to John chapter 14. Jesus has now launched his earthly ministry. He left his throne in heaven, came to this earth, took on flesh so he could bear the sins of flesh, the sins of you and me. He couldn't be that substitute until he became one of us, so he became flesh and dwelt among us. He began to teach and he began to reveal to the world who God is. Take a look at this, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and life. You've heard this verse. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. But keep reading. He went on to say, if you had known me, you would have known my Father. Also from now on, you know him, and you have seen him. And Philip said, how in the world is that true? Uh, Jesus, show us the Father. Show us, open our eyes. Let us see him. We see you. We want to see the Father. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the creator. Is that what he said? No. When you've seen me, you've seen the omnipotent God. Is that what he said? No. He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus was pointing them to who God is and who God wanted to be in their life. Yes, he is the creator, and yes, he's the judge of sin, and yes, he is righteous, and he is sovereign. He's all those things. But over 189 times in the New Testament Gospels, Jesus constantly pointed people to the Heavenly Father. I think if all of us were honest in this room, I don't know that we look at God as our Heavenly Father. I think we look at Him as our Heavenly Accountability. 
I think we look at him as the God who sent his son. I think we look at him as a God who's a million miles away. I think we look at him as a God who is all-powerful, a God who I can pray to. But how many of us are looking to God as our Heavenly Father? Now, the title of my message today is Our Founding Father. I'm thankful for our founding fathers and what they provided for us in this physical realm, but I'm eternally grateful to my founding father who gave me life in the first place, who's given me a new life for all of eternity. And if we're not careful, we can just let God be some abstract being that we pray to that's a million miles away and not relate to him as my father. I get the privilege of being able to speak into pastors' lives during the week through coaching and one of my pastor friends who I deeply love and have we spent every week probably for three weeks in a coaching relationship just holding each other accountable spiritually and, 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 and how we are staying engaged with the Lord and, and he confessed to me a shepherd of the flock a person who's been transformed by the Lord and is preaching the gospel every single week he said Bill I know that I love God but I don't feel like I'm in love with him anymore I don't, uh, and he showed up to a prayer meeting this last week with a bunch of other pastors. He said, I just sat there and I didn't feel like I could even engage with God. I, I felt like I was an outsider looking in and I wanted, I knew what to do. I knew the words to say. We huddled up and we prayed and I said prayers, but I didn't feel like I was connecting with God. It reminded me as I was preparing this message that we can do that as well. We can do the right things. We can have spiritual disciplines. We can have a quiet time, but still not connect with God as our father some of those issues come from our misunderstanding of who God is the enemy of your soul would love to convince you that he's this wrathful God a God of lightning bolts and thunder a God who judges a God who condemns a God who sends people to hell and not see him as our Heavenly Father throughout Scripture Jesus would constantly relate to him as his father do you relate to God as your heavenly father or just a supreme being well we have the old testament that can cloud our eyes sometimes we have our earthly dads that can confuse us sometimes i know my very own children i'm sure there have been times i've been a stumbling block that if they're trying to figure out god the father through this father i'm sure they've gotten a little confused from time to time there is no perfect father on earth but there is a perfect heavenly father and you may have some bitterness in your heart because of your daddy or the absence of your daddy. You may have some bitterness in your heart because your daddy was too present and too domineering and too controlling. But don't let that relationship rob you of the relationship that is pure, that is holy, that Jesus experienced while he walked this earth. So how do we experience God, our founding father? I'm going to take you through some issues of life. And let's see what we learn. Go to 1 John chapter 3. Not the first John you find, that would be the Gospel of John. Keep turning to the back of your New Testament and you'll find three epistles written by John. 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Go to 1st John chapter 3 and verse 1. The Holy Spirit, writing through John, says this. See how great a love God has bestowed on us? No. See how great a love the who? Father has bestowed on us. 
John just didn't look at him as some unique, powerful, omnipotent being, the God of the universe that he must bow to. He said, see what great love God our Father, the Father of Jesus, has bestowed on us that we would be called the children of God. You see, I think a lot of us know there is a God, and a lot of us know the only way we can be right with God is being forgiven of our sins through Jesus, and we get all that nailed down and we stop right there. And we miss out on an intimate relationship with that God who reconciled us to himself. God didn't send his son just so you could go to heaven. God sent his son so that you, instead of being separated from his person, you could be reconciled and have relationship with him every second of every day. And yet I don't think we're looking at God like our father, our daddy. Well, it's amazing. The older my kids have gotten, the less they look to daddy. I remember when they were young, they always looked to mom and dad. They always needed something. They needed groceries, they needed calories, they needed diapers changed. Then they grew up and then they needed dollars and allowances and then they needed vehicles and then they needed to drive me nuts. Because they needed, they needed. And now I'm just begging them to call me every once in a while and just check in and reconnect with daddy. I'll pay them now, I'll pay them that money just to get that attention. And I'm not so sure that that same thing doesn't happen. Remember when you first got saved, if you've been saved, if you've come to know the Lord? Can you remember how needy you were for God's presence and God's provision? Now every day you woke up with this new passion, this new world you were in, and, and you loved connecting with the Lord God Almighty. And the older we've gotten, the more we've walked in our faith, the more we've grown distant from our founding father oh we still love him but we're not in love like we used to be Jesus would model over and over again God's word in his love for us we can identify he gave that love not as our creator not as our judge but as our father his desire is that you would be his child and if you are not a child of God today if you don't know him personally in that way the very first base if you're ever going to make it to home plate you got to stop at first base the gift of his love he desires that you be his child that leads us to how we can discover him as our father in our birth go to James chapter 1 now James in the New Testament chapter 1 verses 17 through 18 James tells us this he says every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above James understood that the God of this universe in some grumpy old man he is the God that provides everything we need but look at what else he goes on to say watch this he gives us every perfect gift from above coming down from watch this the father of lights the one with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow for in the exercise of his will he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be kind of first fruits among his creatures God the creator gave you life you didn't mutate out of some kind of amoeba or some kind of pool of muck you just didn't kind of evolve because you're so special and the other amoeba were not God created you he gave you life that's our creator but God the father gave you a new life or he will 
He will give you a new life if you look to him and say, God, I'm dead in my sin, and I need you, a heavenly father. Just like I needed a physical father to be born, I need a spiritual father to be spiritually alive. If that's never happened for you, if all you know is God in your head, but you don't know him here, I pray today you would find him as your founding father. Well, we can see him in, our, in his love. We can see him in our birth. But I also want you to see we should be experiencing him in our life. Go to Matthew chapter 6 now, Jesus' teaching. And he teaches us how we can really have life, not just breathing on planet Earth, not just spending time here on Earth, but how do you have abundant life? Jesus says, verse 1, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. He says, whoa, whoa, there's something going on that shouldn't be going on. We got people who are exercising their righteous deeds in front of putting on a self-righteous show, trying to look spiritual. That's wrong. We don't do it for the audience of men. We live our lives for the pleasing pleasure of our Heavenly Father. But you know what? I wish that was happening today. We live in a day where people aren't practicing righteousness before men. They're practicing their unrighteousness. They're living any way they want. They're living it blatantly and saying, I'm going to live how I want to live, and they could care less what's righteous or not righteous. I'd at least be willing. But this is just as off base as those who would practice unrighteousness. There's religious response to life, and there's unrighteous response to life, and both are out of bounds. And Jesus said, you don't live your life showing off or trying to be spiritual, Otherwise, you don't have a reward with your, listen to this, not your judge, but your who? Father. Your father. Your father. I'm proud of my kids, not because of what what they've done or what they shouldn't have done. I just love my kids. And sometimes I think we think we have to perform to get the love of our parents or the love of our boss or the love of someone else. And that messes us up. And we think we've got to do the same thing with our Heavenly Father. But God the Father just desires you to be His child. He doesn't want you to perform for Him. He doesn't want you to do this and don't do that so that He will love you more. He wants you to experience life as He designed it. And life that is submitted to a perfect holy will. Verse 2. So he says, so when you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. This doesn't make a lot of sense to us, but if you've been living in that day, if you would have gone to a synagogue or to the temple, uh, they would have these certain courtyards, even for Gentiles. Because they were willing to take tithes and offerings from the Gentiles too. Wherever they could get their money, they were going to take it. And they would build these receptacles. We call them offering towers here. Uh, they built these receptacles, and they were made out of brass. They were almost like big tubas. If you can picture a big tuba, and people could walk by, and they could throw their coins into the big tuba, and when it hit the tuba, and it would clang, and it would ching, and it would chang, it would sound like uh, 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 one of those things at the casino. You'd hear all these bells and whistles going off, and boom, 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 bang, 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 bang. And people go, woo, who gave that? Wow, you gave a you gave a bunch of coin just then. And they would strut their way back home of, look at me, I'm spiritual. Look at me, I give to the poor. Look at what I do. God, did you see? 
Jesus said, what a, what a bunch of hypocrites. We don't serve and we don't give to earn God's love. We do those things because God's love has changed us and it makes us lovers like God. We don't do it so that people around us say, wow, man, they're, they ought to be a deacon in the church. They ought, to, they ought to teach. We serve a holy God, our Father. He's our Father. And as his children, we want to please him. But look at this. He says in verse 3, but when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. So many people think God is there to judge us when God desires to reward us. God desires to bless and show us his favor. He desires to lead us in life and shepherd us to greener pastures and quiet waters. We see him as some harsh, grumpy judge and not the rewarder of those who serve him. He goes on in verse 5 and he says, you can also experience God as your father through prayer. Verse 5, look at it. Jesus goes on to say, so when you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues on the street corners so that they may be seen by man. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full, but you, when you pray, go into your inner room. Close your door. Turn on your video games. Get out and block everything out and just go to that virtual world so you can have some peace and quiet. That's usually what we do when we go into our inner rooms. We make plenty of time for us, but we don't make time for him. We may show up in church and pray for one another in our small groups, and we should, and I'm glad we do. But my question for you is, are you connecting with your founding father every day? As you know, my dad passed away two years ago. I would give anything for another day to sit at the feet of my father. I would cherish another time to go around a golf course, one more time in a golf cart. I'd love to talk to him about the NBA draft that just happened. I'd love to spend some time with my dad over 4th of July and just cooking out over the grill. I'd give anything for another time like that. And it's a shame that it takes the loss of my dad to realize what I should have cherished more when I had the shot. And so many of us have the privilege of every day connecting with our founding father, Father God. But at best, we connect with omnipotent God, provider God, righteous judge but we're not spending time with our daddy. He desires, he desires to just be with you. And I would encourage you to block out what you've been taught by the church, to make it some mechanical, spiritual discipline, that it's a programmatic hour or 30 minutes and you do this and you do that and you pray and you connect it with God. No, no, no. I don't want my kids to sit down with me and say, Dad, We'd like to review the finances. Could you open up the checkbook? Could we see how much we can still keep tapping you for? Hey, Dad, could we sit down and be more interested in knowing your politics? No, when my kids come and we spend time together, we just do life. We talk about their hurts. We talk about other stuff. Why do we put God in a box a million miles away? Why do we make God something he isn't? 
instead of experiencing God for who he is. He says, when you go into your inner room, close the door, pray to your father who's in secret, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When's the last time you had time with your father alone? If it's longer than yesterday, you're missing it. And I want to challenge you to take the next seven days and say, I'm going to do it different. I'm not going to just do Christian stuff. I'm not just going to do the disciplines of a Christian faith I've been taught. I'm just going to have a relationship with my daddy. And I'm not saying make God so common that you're not in the word and you're not, because God speaks through his word. But are you dialoguing back or are you just reading the word? Are you taking any time for God to speak into your life and you to speak back to God about your life? Just connect with him as your daddy. Look at Matthew 7. He tells us to do it this way. Matthew 7, verse 7. We're almost done. He says, ask, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks and receives, the one who seeks and finds, the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or what person is there among you? Who, when his son asks for a loaf of bread, gives him, it says stone here, it, it, it actually translates broccoli. Who does that? Hey, kids, come over for the holidays, and we're going to have tofu and broccoli. Woohoo! No. We throw the party. We provide great gifts to our kids. Who asks for a fish? Instead, gives him a snake. <laughs> How'd you like that one, son? Gotcha. Nobody does that. So if you, despite being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who's in heaven, give good things to you? Man, it blows me away. We wake up and we're like, God, why aren't you there for me? Seriously? God, why don't you care more? Seriously? Father. Father, I know that today you're going to meet my every need according to your riches and glory. Father, thank you. Lord, I'm hurting and Lord, I'm suffering in this moment. But God, Father God, thank you that I can come running into your arms. And God, that you will never leave me nor forsake me. And God, I know that you give good gifts. And that doesn't mean a cooler and faster car. That doesn't mean a bigger home and a promotion at work. It means God will give you what you really, really need. I've watched way too many people be spoiled by their parents. They gave them everything in the world they wanted, and they didn't give them good gifts. They gave them poison. It poisoned their souls. It ruined their life. But then I've seen parents who stepped into their kids' lives and maybe didn't have much to give them materially, but they gave them way more than any million billionaire could give. Let them be your father. And that leads me to our last point. It's found in Luke chapter 23. Turn to Luke 23. Verse 33. Luke 23, verse 33. We also discover God is our Father in times of pain. Jesus models this in Luke 23. It says that when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified Jesus and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. And Jesus, being nailed to that cross, an innocent man for the sins of you and me and the whole world, never done anything wrong hanging on a cross, cries out to God, and if it would have been me, I'll just be honest, maybe you're more spiritual than I, I would have prayed, God, 
Time for the lightning bolts. Do you see what they're doing to your son? Lord, these pagans, these unbelieving fools, God, show them just a little bit of your wrath. Wouldn't you? Come on. Take care of these pagans. Give them what they have sown. Let them reap it now, Lord. Boom! But how did Jesus respond? Listen to what he said. Father. He's still looking to God the Father. In his pain, in his suffering, and in the injustice, and in all that was evil that was loaded down on him, he didn't go out of bounds, but he ran to his Father. I wonder if there's somebody here today that needs to run to the Father. I wonder if there's somebody today that says, Lord, forgive me for dumping all this on you. Forgive me for condemning you, for judging you, when all you want to be is my Father. Father, forgive them, not judge them, not destroy them, not kill them. Forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. He didn't cry out to the Father of justice. He cried out to the Father of mercy, the Father of forgiveness. That same Father that Peter would eventually experience. Because you see, Peter connected with God, he thought, he was a great follower of Jesus, so he thought, but he had a head knowledge that there was a Messiah and that this had to be Messiah, and so he, he latched onto that bandwagon called the Messiah, and he'd have to discover for himself, no, it isn't what I believe in my head, it isn't the religion that I have, it's the relationship that happens in a heart. He would deny Christ three times, but he would experience the mercy and forgiveness of Jesus and enter into a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Now this same Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, I'll put it on the screen, look at it, verse 3, and he says this. Blessed Jesus, look at what he says. Blessed be the God and Father. See, he wasn't just looking to Jesus so he could have a government job, so he could have power and prestige and privilege. He finally realized Jesus was the one that would allow him to be reconciled to God the Father. And the greatest need he would ever have is that relationship. And now he pins, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to living hope. That hope came to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, which is undefiled which will not fade away, which is reserved in heaven for us who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter walked in relationship to his founding father. He gave praise to God the Father, knowing that he was a child of a living God that would give him an inheritance which would never be taken away, which would never be exhausted, which would never be bankrupted, that could not be snatched away or stolen, that was his for all of eternity. Do you know God? Better question. Do you know God the Father? Are you a child of the living God? Let's pray about it. With every head bowed and every eye closed. One of two things is true. Well, it could be three. You could say there is no God. You could. Many are saying that today, and maybe that's been your conclusion. 
Or it could be that today in this very room or even online, God is revealing himself to you and showing you that he is and that he so loved you that he made possible a way for you to have relationship with his holy person through Christ, a substitute, a payment for sin. I want to lay down his life for you so that you could have a new life, a second life, a spiritual life. And if all you know is God in your head, like many of our founding fathers, that's a nice thing, but that's only an earthly thing. That will die, and you'll spend eternity separated from the one who wants to be your father. But has there been a time where you said, Lord, I need to be saved. I need you to be my dad. Lord, I don't deserve your mercy and grace, but God, I receive it. I repent of my sin. Has there ever been a time where you've called on the name of the Lord to be saved? If you haven't right now, do that. Right now, let God change you. Let God fill you. Let him give you the greatest gift of all. It comes from above. It's the gift of mercy, forgiveness, salvation. You say, how do I receive it? He said, it's a gift. Like any gift, you just got to take it in. You got to say, Lord, I receive you into my life. I receive you the gift of my salvation. And God will save you. If you did that just now, in a moment when we stand, our ministers will be here at the front. I want you to come to one of them and say, man, I nailed it down today. It could be, though, that you're struggling with it, like I did for nine months when I first started going to church. And every Sunday, I wanted to make a decision. I just didn't know what that decision needed to be. And finally, one day, it all became clear. I knew that I was a sinner, and I needed to be saved. And I went forward, and Cammie's brother helped me understand how to trust Christ. We'd love to do that for you. If you have questions, you can come. If you have another spiritual need, a church family, someone to pray over you, a need in your life, we'd love to minister to you in these moments. While people will be praying, while Alex will be singing, you just step out, just come on. This is a holy, reverent time for you to respond to God. Lord, free up these aisles. Free up our hearts. God, may we celebrate you and the freedom that's ours through Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Let's stand together, keep praying, pray for God to break out this morning. Pray for those who need to make a decision. If that's you,